Well, family, it's so good to see you. My name is Eddie. I am one of the pastors here at Grace. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I just, it's a pleasure. Uh, last week, we started a series on the fruit of the Spirit. Pastor David began to unpack this section in Galatians where Paul is, is talking to the, the Galatians about the difference between the work of the flesh and, and what happens when our sinful nature uh, exhibits itself, I guess you could say, and what happens when the Spirit of God, through in His indwelling power, begins to develop some things in us. We begin to bear fruit. And most of us, I'm sure, are familiar with the, the different fruits. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, I don't know. <laughs> then it begins to go. Um, but I think when we think about this, this idea of the fruit of the Spirit, we, we're all pretty, we're down with that idea. We're good with it. We, we're, we're excited. I, I'm going to turn there just so I don't miss them. If my children were in here, they'd be telling me right now what they are. Love, yes, thank you. Love, joy, peace, patience. Who wants more patience, right? I'm sure many of us wanted more patience just a few minutes ago while on the way to church. Kindness, probably true. Goodness, I'm not just saying of you, I mean all of us. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We all can use these things. They're not, they're not things that, that most of us would argue about and say, well, you know, I don't need that in my life. And in fact, if there was a farmer's market for the fruit of the Spirit, we'd all be eating local, right? We'd be going to one loud and let's get some more fruit of the Spirit. And I need some. I'm low. I ate all of it on Monday. Um, all of it. It's all gone. Tuesday, you know, you, you, you got to make it happen. Unfortunately, we, we, can't go to one, we can't go to one loud, but we can't buy more peace or kindness or self-control. But the good news is that, is that God has it ready for us. And today my hope is that each of us will walk away from church encouraged to join in God's work in the world because we know that God is at work with us, that he's in work in us. So go in your Bibles to Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. We're going to be reading verses 3 through 11. We'll read them out loud. Uh, So go ahead and stand up with me, family. This is the most important part where we hear God speak to us. Uh, So listen as though God is speaking to you because he is. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you in all my affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with all knowledge and discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray while you're standing. God, we love you, and we pray that you would help us to come 
into the work that you have for us, knowing that you are at work in us. As we pursue you, Lord, produce this fruit of righteousness in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I give it to Pastor David. That is much harder to do because you can't fake it like you guys can. Some of you. I'm up here with a mic missing my places. That's it's a good time. You know, it's interesting, if you read Galatians and you read Philippi, it almost sounds, or uh, Philippians, it almost sounds like Paul is, uh, is he, he's got some mental issues, because in Galatians, he is, he's angry. He's dealing with some serious pushback from some righteous individual, self-righteous individuals who are trying to attack the gospel. In contrast to that, the book of Philippians is really a love letter, letter uh, an expression of his joy <clears throat> over this, this group of individuals who have decided to partner with him. And so uh, you, can, you can hear it even in the first few verses about his love, his thanksgiving, his sense of, of, uh, of fe- affection that he has for this, this people. But I want us to hear this both in light of one another, that yes, we, we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit, but let's talk about the, the love and affection that God has for us and what he's doing in us, and let that be the motivation for the fruit. Now, if you look at verses uh, 3 through 5, you see this, that when, when you and I join in God's work, it's, it's a cause for thanksgiving and joy. Right, as I said, Paul's writing to a church he loves. He loves all of his churches, but this church makes it easy. The Philippians had, had partnered with Paul from the beginning. And that's why he says that he, he always, in every prayer, uh, making all my prayers with joy. Right? Uh, I thank my God. He says, always, all making my prayer. Uh, this is really bad English, right? He says, always, every. He's making a point. He's trying to push... The point that he is always thankful for them. When he prays for them, he's always expressing thanksgiving. And why does he do it? Look at verse 5. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. From the first day that, that the Philippian church was established, even to this point where Paul is he's imprisoned, likely in Rome, we see that, that the Philippians have not left his side. And that partnership, it's more than just like a, we're going to, shake hands and, and we're going to work together, but, but it has a, a connotation of, of giving money. And in fact, if we look at, you don't have to go there, but you can write it down or you can go there if you want. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 4, Paul refers to the Macedonians or the, the Philippians saying that they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Paul had, had been do, doing some traveling, and at one point he was collecting money from the various other churches to support the church in Jerusalem, which was going through some hardship. And the Macedonians, the Philippians, were one of the only groups that would partner with him. And it wasn't just a, a lip service type partnership. They put their money where their mouth was. Right? When Paul had asked for churches to partner, they were there. They were eager, eager to give and eager to give sacrificially. And so Paul here is overwhelmed with thanksgiving and joy over the partnership with God. Now sometimes Christianity, church, 
I know I grew up in, in some churches where it, this idea of a relationship with God was, was expressed as a kind of get out of hell card, right? You, you, you did some things, you believed some things in order not to burn in hell. Nobody wants to burn in hell, right? That's not a, that's not a, hard, that's not a hard minimum. Would you like to go to heaven or hell? heaven please and and it's true that the work of Christ saves us from the punishment due to us because of our sin against God it saves us from hell I'm not trying to deny that that is a reality but this walk of Christ is so much more when when you partner with God when you do more than just give lip service to this idea that Jesus is my savior and I have a relationship but when you express that relationship in terms of sacrifice you give others opportunity for thanksgiving and joy when I was in college I had a couple opportunities to travel to China for missions trips my first trip uh, I went with my um, my mother's church sorry she's Korean and that's only significant because there was a Korean church that was sending missionaries from Korea to China. And so they needed someone who could speak English, work with computers, and play guitar. And I was like, well, I can do those things. I will go. And so I went, and it was amazing. It was life-changing. You know, we do so much in terms of 10 days missions, and I would encourage you to, do, to take part in that because there's so much that God can do in a short period of time in a moment like that. And it was amazing. Came back, and then I was part of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, and I got a phone call through them from someone saying, hey, do you, you want to go back to China? Are you still interested? Now, what's interesting is that I had never said anything to anyone about it. I didn't, hadn't signed up for anything. I hadn't signed up for a, let me know more about China. So I thought, maybe God wants me to go back to China. And so I began to raise support and, and to try and make my way back to China. Unfortunately, I was a poor college student and raising support was difficult so I was coming up to the deadline we were about a week out I think it was and I I went to a group of individuals some other uh, Christian college kids and we were praying and I just kind of expressed hey I need two thousand dollars and and they're like well we do too and we'll pray for you (laughs) Um, to God we give the glory for his miracles Um, but what's interesting is I came home, and I lived in this apartment complex, and at the foot of my doorstep was a, a letter. So I pick it up and open it, and, and it's a handmade letter, which leads me to believe that this was a young lady who, who did this, or a number of young... I, I don't imagine boys cutting out things and making a handmade letter. Maybe it was, but... Uh, it was a card. And in the card was $2,000 in cash. Yeah, that's what I said. Um, <clears throat> but in that moment, I was giving thanks to God for his faithfulness. I was filled with joy. And in that moment, because someone else had given sacrificially, I was encouraged. And of course we're encouraged when we're given wads of cash. But the, the, <laughs> the point I'm trying to make here is that You and I have an opportunity to give in a way that is transformative for someone else's life. 
Now, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be about money. This is, I'm not trying to make this about money. But the reality is, where you care about things, what you care about is where you put your money. What we spend our money on says a lot about what we value. So the issue isn't money. The issue is how we express what we value. And the Philippians had said, we value the work of God. We value the mission of God. We value Paul and his ministry. And because of that, Paul could say, I am filled with thanksgiving. I'm so thankful for what you have done. Our partnership and how we spend our money makes a bold statement about what we value. The, the Philippians made a bold statement for their love of Paul and God. And so God, or so Paul goes on to verse 6 to say something astounding, something that, that is a constant and should be a constant source of encouragement to you and me. Let's look at verse 6. He says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God is faithful to finish his work in us. I'll say it again. God is faithful to finish his work in us. The, the reality about the Philippians and their partnership is that it did not start with them. I mean, just, just take a moment. Their good idea was not their good idea. It was God's good idea. Their, their partnership began when God moved. Now that's not to deny the sacrifice they made. It's not to deny the work that they put in. When, when you and I suffer for the sake of Christ, when you and I sacrifice for the sake of Christ, when you and I uh, obey for the sake of Christ, it, it, we actually do those things, but, but underneath that is the work of God. Paul is telling us and reminding us, first of all, that, that the work that was started was God's work. And in Ephesians, he says it to the Ephesian church this way in verse 4. I'll start in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. You're in this room, many of you, because you made a decision for Christ. You said, I want to turn away from my sin, and I want to turn to Jesus Christ, who is my Savior, who died on the cross for my sins, defeating Satan's sin and death so that I might have a relationship. I'm doing something in response to what he did. But the reality is, before God said, let there be light, he had a plan for you. He had started something with you. The Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they had a plan the Father said, I want to send my Son. The Son said, the son said I want to go. The Holy Spirit said, I want to be the one to empower. And they had a plan for, for the Philippians, and they had a plan for you and I. If you're in this room, and, and you don't have a relationship with God, maybe you, don't, you, you came because some friend cajoled you into coming, you've got a, a nice, annoying friend who loves you. Let me encourage you that have you considered the possibility that God has a plan for you? That, that your coming here wasn't just coincidence. It wasn't just a happenstance. But it was the divine plan of God. And as the psalmist says in, in Psalm 3, 8, salvation belongs to the Lord. Paul, it, he's, he's praying and he's thanking God for what's happening in the Philippians' life. 
You know, if this was something that, that could be attributed strictly and solely to the Philippians, he'd say, you guys are doing great. Good job. Thank you. You're awesome. Which he does say. But he starts by saying, I thank God for what I see in you. I thank God for the fruit that I see manifest in your life. I thank God for the work that's being done through you. I'm not a gardener, and I don't intend to be, but there's some people in... Who said "oh"? Everyone can have their own hobby, okay? Um, there are people whose hobby in my neighborhood is gardening. It's, it's so in vogue. All of the, the backyards have their own, you know, tomato plants and such. And what's cool is, is when you see the pl- tomato plant, you're like, that's totally awesome. But the, 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 <laughs> the tomato plant being there or, or the flower coming up in the garden does not therefore make that thing a flower or make that thing a tomato. All that is is proof that there was a gardener, right? When you see God's work in your life and you see God's work in, in the lives of those around you, it's proof that there's a gardener in your life. Planting seeds, producing fruit. If we know that God has started something, if we see a tomato, if we see a flower, we know that he's going to finish it. And let me tell you, just stop for a moment. You need to look in the lives of those around you and say, I see tomatoes in your life. There's, there's someone in your life that that needs to hear because they don't see it. They don't see God moving and you need to go to them today and you need to say, there's tomato plants in your life. There's flowers in your life. There is fruit in your life and God has started something. Some of you, you've come and you've forgotten. You, you, you are unaware of God's moving and you need to be encouraged and reminded and I want you to hear me that, that if God has started something, he will finish it. If you're here and you're struggling, there's still hope. Maybe, maybe you're here and there's a circumstance in your life that is, is overshadowing your garden, if we want to con- extend this analogy. Maybe it's a pattern of sin or uh, it's a situation that's very difficult or it's a, it's a family dynamic. And what Paul is saying here is look back to the evidences of grace in your life and put your faith not in your present ability but in the faithfulness of God. Sometimes when we look at our life, we say, I can't grow this, God. I can't make this flower grow. I can't make... That's what I say every time I try try to garden. My kids bring stuff home and they're like, Daddy, can you make this bean plant grow? I'm like, sure, I can kill it. Um, (laughs) We had some succulents and I was like, well, those are going to die in a week. I tried, and I failed. Um, but, but maybe you're in a situation where you're like, I can't make this happen. And that is a true and real uh, confession. But, but what we can't forget is that God can, he is, and he's working. Our, our commission is not to just pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, but to agree with what God has said about us and walk in that faith. We do things absolutely, we try not to sin, we, we kill sin, we, we, we pursue God, 
But we all do it understanding that the strength comes not from our own ability, but from the fact that God is at work in us. And when you see God at work in you, it motivates you to work. When you see God at work in the lives of those around you, it motivates you to work. When I see Pastor David pursuing this, this call to Denver, it, it makes me want to work. When I see Pastor Jermaine rising up and, and, and being a youth pastor and speaking from the front and doing things, it makes me want to work. When I see my wife working so hard to care for our children, it makes me want to work. Your work, your effort to be like Christ in your community, it produces love in other people. Look at verses 7 and 8. Right? He has just said, uh, you know, God's going to bring this work to completion. And he says this, it's right for me to feel this way. In other words, it's right for me to have this affection for you. Because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers of grace with me. Both in my imprisonment and in the defense of my gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you. Right? Paul is looking at the Philippians and he's saying, I love you. I'm filled with love when I consider you. When I consider how you have become partakers, that word partakers is very similar to the word previously of, of, uh, of partnership. Those words are connected, and in, in, in the Greek you would see that they're, they, they sound the same. And he's, he's trying to draw a comparison. He's saying, you're partakers, and in partaking in this work, in taking part in this work, in doing this work of ministry, in sacrifice, and in, in suffering, in doing this, you are filling me with joy and affection because I know that you are doing this for my sake and for the glory of God. When you do things that are difficult, when you do things for the sake of God, when you join in this work, it produces love and affection in the people around you. Right? When you see... When you see Pastor David and Megan up here and they're, they're expressing uh, the fact that they're leaving but they're, they're, their hearts are broken, that, that's because they see God at work in you. They see that, that God has lovingly planted some seed in the garden, that they've done everything they can to, to do their part in, in nurturing that, in, in being a good gardener, in, in, com- in cooperation with God. And, and they see that there's fruit. They see that God is at work. And it produces love. It produces affection. It produces longing. When you join in and work, it produces community. You know, it's, it's funny. I go back to this text so often. But in, in chapter... Uh, where is it? Chapter 8, I may not find it. Hold on a second. Well, there's a, there's a place in the Bible. <laughs> Just trust me. Um, it's in John. If someone wants to look it up and yell it, I won't be offended. In the book of John, there's a place where Jesus says they will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. And that always shocks me. Because when I think of like uber Christians, of like, that guy's a Christian or that gal's a Christian, I think of someone with like a robe who like doesn't smile. And this is, not, I'm being hyperbolic, but, but they like, they also float because they're just that holy and they never sin. 
and they, you know, they speak in Gregorian chants. Hallelujah. And if you come from that background, that's great. I'm, I don't mean to offend. I'm sure I will, though. Um, was it? Let's go back to the Bible. John 13. Thank you. 13, 13. It was in one of my sets of notes, but not the one that matters. Um, John 13, 35, he says this. He's, he's given the new commandment. A new commandment I give to you, love one another just as I loved you. By this, all the people will know that you're my disciples if you have a love for one another. And the reality is, you and I can memorize a whole lot of scripture. We can read a lot of German theologians. We can write some papers. Um, we can do a lot of things. We can give all our money away. We can create hospitals. I mean, we can do a lot of things. But if, if, if we can't love the people around us, we won't express what God wants us to express. And to put it a different way, it's easy to do all of those other things. It's easy to create moralistic people, right? To say, do this or you'll get this. Don't do this or you won't get this. It's, in one respect, that's easy. It's hard to love people who are hard to love. I mean, you have people who are popping into your mind right now. And you're like, yes, that person makes me not a disciple. But the reality is, when we, when we love people, um, it, it evidences God's work in us, um, and it, it also produces love in other people. And not only this, but when we are at work, when we're about God's work, he produces fruit in us. You know, we talked about this, we started out talking about this, that we all want fruit, right? We all want love, joy, peace, patience, etc., self-control, Kindness. We want these things. But if you've ever tried to produce it on your own, it's a lot like holding your breath, right? You can do it for about 30 seconds or maybe longer, but then after that, you're red-faced and frustrated, right? <laughs> you're like, I'm going to love, I'm going to love, I'm going to love, I'm going to love. I'm driving down 28, I can't love, right? I, I'm driving down 7 in McLean, and people don't know what, what's what. It's, it's hard for us to produce that. And, and there's a reason why it's called the fruit of the Spirit, and it's compared to the works of the flesh. It's easy to have works of the flesh. That's what comes natural to us. It's hard, and I would say impossible apart from God, to produce spiritual fruit. But when we're about God's work, He produces that fruit. Let's look at verses uh, 9 through 11. And it is my prayer. He's gone and he said he's thankful, he's joyful, excited. God's got a plan for them. God's going to finish what he started. And he says this, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Fruit. Paul prays that their love may abound more and more. That, that in doing this work, God would come underneath it and he would multiply it, that he would grow those tomatoes, that he would grow those flowers in our garden. And he says that, that it would be the kind of love that is, that is described as, as knowledgeable and discerning. It's not, it's not a naive love. It's not the kind of love that, that says everything's going to be fine and 
Disney princesses are real and true love is no work at all, right? It, 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 it's not foolish, but it's the kind of discerning and wise love that says marriage is hard because it's two sinners trying to be holy together. It's, it's saying that parenting is hard because it's trying to wrangle a little person who's faster than you, has more energy than you, and, and is less restrained in their sin than you, maybe. But it's love. When we're willing to express love that overcomes those things, you know the Holy Spirit's at work. He wants to produce that fruit. Why does he want to do it? Verse 10, so that we may approve what is excellent. In other words, so that we may see and practice what is excellent. And I'm not just talking about getting first place. But I'm talking about the best of the best of the best that God has. Seeing a sunset and appreciating it for the fact that it is an expression of the glory of God in creation. Seeing a, a person going from addiction to to walking in, in stumbling holiness and recognizing God at work in that. Seeing the excellence in that. We want to be able to approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. God is, he's doing a work in us. He's making us pure and blameless. In Christ, we're positionally holy, but progressively we're being made holy. Does that make sense? When God looks at us positionally, if we're in Christ, God sees Christ. He sees holiness. He sees righteousness. But at the same time, on Wednesday, maybe, you're still having to deal with the reality of of indwelling sin. And so Paul is praying, I want your love to abound to such a degree that, that the sin in your life is being displaced and that you are becoming more pure and blameless and prepared for the day when Christ returns. Finally, he talks about being filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. When I hear this, I, th- I think he's getting at really a summation of the fruit. He's not talking specifically about this fruit versus these fruits, but the fruit of righteousness is really what does it look like for God's life to be manifest in your life and my life? It's a life of righteousness expressed in various forms in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, uh, self-control, something else. But this fruit of righteousness is, is what happens as a result of us joining in the work of God and God working in us. We produce fruit that is ultimately, as we've seen, to the glory and praise of not us, but of God. The kind of character that glorifies God is produced in us when we're about God's work. Now, God is at work right now. He's at work in your heart. He's at work in, in the person beside you. The things that, that maybe you're hearing, like the sins that come up, the things that you need to be, uh, that you need to repent of, that's, that's God at work in your heart. The expression that God loves you, maybe a sense of, of, of God's affection for you. I mean, if you listen to this, Paul's talking about his affection. Paul's affection is an expression of God's affection for that church. If you hear that and you, you need that affection, God is at work trying to pour out his affection on you. God is at work in you. And my encouragement is that as we progress and think about what it looks like to, to produce the fruit of the Spirit, we recognize that 
as we join in this work, we can trust that God is at work with us. Let's pray.